We are one church. We love God, love people, love his mission and love his church. Welcome to the One Church Podcast. Hello and welcome to the One Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us today. It says in Nehemiah 9 that for 40 years, God sustained the Israelites in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. And we're believing for you today that whatever season you're walking through, God will sustain you and you will lack nothing. Today we're continuing our series in Esther from a great message preached by Pastor James in the Odeby site on Sunday the 14th of May. For those of you who don't know, I'm James, I'm married to Claire. We have, uh, we have four grown-up children. Uh, who are all, well, they've all left home. They're all on their own adventures uh, right now. Although they keep coming back, to be fair. I mean, two, two of them have been at uh, home, home this weekend, uh, ju- just saying hello. But uh, yeah, we're privileged to be uh, parents of four amazing kids. And uh, we, we've been part of uh, uh, what was TLC, obviously now One Church, for about 30 years. And uh, I came to work with uh, David and Susan, who were the senior leaders about 15 years ago, and uh, been on that adventure ever since, and I'm sure uh, many, many more adventures to come. And Claire and I have the privilege, amongst other things, of overseeing the, the central site. Uh, but it's, it's great to be with you uh, here this morning. And so, so today, this is, uh, I'm sure many of you enjoyed this great series, right, the book of Esther. I mean, it's, it's such a brilliant book. Uh, I, I love, love reading it, and I've loved this series. And uh, so to date, uh, we, we've had... Uh, the great intro that Tom did uh, about digging deeper. And then we had a royal arrangement, rearrangement, shall I say, thinking about, uh, thinking about the idea of trusting in God's providence. And uh, last week we looked at plots and plans running through chapters uh, 3 and 4 in Esther. Uh, and no matter what evil plots are concocted, God's plans are still being outworked, which we're incredibly grateful for. No matter how hopeless it can sometimes feel, uh, thank God that he is always at work. Amen. And uh, well, today, as we continue our journey uh, through this amazing account of Esther, we're, we're thinking about requests and reversals. I suppose the big picture for us today uh, is that we'll consider how God works for the good in, in all things and how he is able to bring great change in any situation. So some big things we're thinking about this morning, but incredibly encouraging. Uh, but before I launch, let's just pray. Father, thank you for your amazing word. Lord, thank you for the encouragement that you bring to us. And Lord, thank you that you speak to us. And Lord, we just simply pray this morning, Lord, as we continue through this incredible book of Esther, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear what it is you want to say. And we, Father, we know and anticipate, Lord, as you speak to us this morning through your word, that we'll be incredibly encouraged and know you more. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. Well, I'm sure on all of our journeys of faith, we probably all have stories where we, where we look back and we see how God has been working things out for good. It may have not always been obvious at the time as we've been going through that journey, but when we look back, we say, wow, God worked amazingly in that situation. Uh, my great-grandparents on my mom's side of the family, uh, from what we know, they were, they were a fairly normal family, uh, getting on with life, and, and work, they worked hard to earn a living. Uh, back in 1912, so we're going back, you know, we're going back a few years. 
No, I wasn't around. Uh, it, it's probably safe to assume they were, they were fairly excited about an extraordinary trip that they had planned to go on to the United States. So this is my great-grandparents on my mum's side. The RMS Titanic uh, was the largest and most luxurious passenger ship of its time and was talked about as being unsinkable. I think there's a photo going to come up. Uh, I'm sure you've all heard of, of the Titanic. Um, and in 1912, the ship was completed and was to make its maiden voyage across the Atlantic to America. Well, I think we probably all know what happened. Uh, partway through the journey, an, an unthinkable tragedy unfolded as the ship hit a huge iceberg in the North Atlantic and obviously subsequently sank, uh, with more than 1,500 people uh, losing their lives. There we go. There it is in all its grandeur. Well, my great-grandparents had tickets to go on that maiden voyage of the RMS Titanic. But for some reason that we don't fully know, uh, we believe they may have been planning to emigrate to the US, uh, but at the last minute, they chose not to go. Whatever their reason for not traveling on the Titanic, uh, their last-minute decision not to go changed the course of our family history. And here I am standing before you today. Pretty good, eh? I, I, just, I, look, I think about that account, and I think, well, it's just a shame we, we didn't have the tickets because we could have probably sold them for a fortune nowadays. But, there you go. but anyway, what can I say? All I can say is this, that God works all things together for good. Can I encourage you all today that uh, no matter what situation we may face as people who love God, uh, throughout our faith journey, this side of heaven, his promise is that he will work all things out for good. And I've got to tell you, he's an expert at doing that because he sees all things. He sees the big picture. And he's amazing at changing, challenging situations. So I just want to encourage you with that today. So as we, as we pick up our journey through the account of Esther... Uh, we'll focus really on chapters 5 to 7 today. We're, we're not going to read it all now. I'll read bits from it. Uh, but we arrive at this point in the amazing story where, where Esther is about to be welcomed by the king, uh, which will enable her to make her requests before King Xerxes, which ultimately in turn will lead to the saving of the Jewish people. Uh, so here we go. I'm going to read uh, from Esther chapter 5, verses 1 to 7, just to give us a bit of context. And it says, On the third day of the fast, Esther put her royal robes and entered the inner court of the palace, just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne, facing the entrance. And when he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and held out the gold scepter to her. So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. Then the king asked her, what do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. And Esther replied, if it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for the king. The king turned to his attendants and said, tell Haman to come quickly to a banquet, as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to Esther's banquet. And while they were drinking wine, the king said to Esther, now tell me what you really want. What is your request? I will give it to you even if it is half the kingdom. And Esther replied, this is my request and deepest wish. If I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request and do what I ask, please come with Haman tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for you. Then I will explain what this is all about. 
So that just sets a scene for it, and I'll, I'll read a few more verses later. But, uh, so what, what can we learn from this today? What more can we learn from this amazing book of Esther? Um, let me just start with a brief point to help lay some foundations, because the overarching theme of this is that God works out all things for good. This is an incredible promise, uh, which can bring and is intended to bring great peace and reassurance for our lives, I, I guess particularly when we're going through a difficult situation or facing challenges and, and maybe, I'm sure, there's, there's, there's people in the room right now that are going through difficult challenges and circumstances. Um, and may, maybe even in the middle of those, you, you might ask, why, God? Why, why, why is this happening? Why am I going through this? What are you up to exactly? And you know it's okay to ask God why, yeah? That, that's an okay question to ask God. He, he, he's pretty big. He can cope with our why questions, and it's okay to have that kind of dialogue with God. In fact, if you read the Bible, there's, there's many people that had that kind of healthy dialogue with God, and that's okay. So I guess a quick question, you don't have to answer this, is kind of rhetorical, but does God work all things out for everyone all the time? Just think about that for a moment. Well, let me flip briefly to a, uh, some verses in Romans, which is where this theme and verses originate from. Let, let me just read it. It will come up on the screen. Uh, so Romans, Romans 8, 18 uh, and 19, and then I'll flip to uh, 23 and 28. It says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. And then verse 23, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Many of us are looking forward to that, right? When we get, when we get a brand new body and everything functions incredibly. But then it goes into this verse uh, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And of course, this is the pivotal verse. And it says, for the good of those who love God and are called. And free will is the key to this truth. So does everything work out for everyone? The honest answer is probably not. Not, not if you don't love God, that is. And I just thought this was important to say uh, to start with. If, if we love him, if we follow him, if we commit our lives to him, and we've made a choice to follow him, then we come under this promise. We come under the truth of it. He will work everything out uh, for good. You see, it's our choice. Yeah, We have a choice to follow him. We have a choice to give our lives to him. Um, but if people, uh, and you know, we're talking out in the world, if people out of their own free will have chosen not yet to follow God, um, then this truth actually do it doesn't necessarily apply. Is God still kind to them? Yes. Is he still merciful? Yes. Is he still wanting the best for all people everywhere? Yes, he is. However, if we are to experience this promise in all its fullness, then uh, and we're a Christian, that we, we get to walk in this, and it's credible. But, I, just, I mean, I don't know everyone in the room today, but if, if, you're, if you're here and you're, you're not yet a follower of Jesus, then can I encourage you to uh, pursue him, to maybe come and talk to one of us after. And if you want to be able to walk in this promise that God works everything out for good in your life, uh, then the starting point is to give your life to him and to follow him. So that I just wanted to lay that foundation. You know, Esther, in this story, she made a choice to follow God's ways, and she saw him work in an amazing way. So number one, it's our choice. And number two uh, is this, requests, we have a part to play. Okay, so in this account, we see that Esther, she made the request. 
She made a choice not to stay silent. She made a choice to speak up. And she made the choice to be bold and to ask the king. Uh, we've probably all heard this phrase, if you don't ask, you don't get. You, you heard about, you've heard that phrase, yeah? It's not a biblical phrase in that sense, but it has some great validity. Uh, have any of you been watching uh, the series on iPlayer Race Across the World? Yeah, yeah, a few, yeah. <laughs> a few, well, are we not finished? Okay, so uh, I won't do a spoiler. Okay. Oh, there, what, yeah, yeah, okay, that's good, thank you. Um, anyway, if, if you've not seen it, uh, there's, there's five couples, right, racing across Canada, and they're on a limited budget, and they, they can only use public transport or they can scrounge lifts, and they don't have mobile phones, and, and they're not allowed to fly, because that would be cheating, wouldn't they? Just, just fly right across, and then they win the 20 grand at the end. That would be cheating. That wouldn't be good. There's one particular couple that I observed. They, they did particularly well, because I think they grasped this whole concept of asking. So they, they got bold with their asking, right? So they, they would ask lifts from people. So they might be staying in a particular host house for the night because someone had been kind to them and then then they'd say to them over the meal well we, we, you know tomorrow we've got to travel to such and such do you, do you think you could take us and uh, you know they got quite bold with asking and so often the the family that they stay with say yeah we'll, we'll take you there in the morning even though it's like five hours up the coast and then that wouldn't cost them any money to get there so they saved on their budget so they got bold uh, in asking we are part of God's amazing plan right as as Christians following him and uh, for all he's doing in drawing people to him. And it's an incredible privilege. But an integral component of being part of God's plan involves us asking him. Yeah? And we see from this account of Esther that the reason that the plot uh, to have all the Jewish people wiped out was reversed was because Esther, she plucked up the courage to make a request to the king. Yeah? She made a request. Uh, how many of you that uh, who are married or in a relationship know that... It, if there is a request you might have, how many of you know that there is an optimum time to ask something of your husband or wife, right? There's a good time and, and there's a bad time. I feel like Claire would definitely pick a moment if she, you know, maybe she wants a load of new plants for the garden. She, she would definitely pick a moment to, to raise that with me and make the request. That there's good and bad times. And, you know, I, th- I feel like in this story, Esther clearly knew the way to the king's heart as she firstly put on lots of great food for him. Yeah, so she knew what she was doing. She knew that before she asked him, she well, let, let's, let's feed him. And in verse 4, it says, And Esther replied, If it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for the king. And th- so this was her first request uh, that she made to the king. And then she makes a second. She says uh, in verses 6 and 7, And while they were drinking wine, the king said to Esther, Now tell me what you really want. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. And Esther replied, This is my request. And my deepest wish, if I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request and do what I ask, please come with Haman tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for you. Then I will explain what this is all about. So they go to one banquet, which, which is great. She thought, well, maybe I just need to feed him a bit more before I ask him this next question. So they, they, go, they go to another banquet. So the first two requests, they build up uh, to what she really was gunning for, and, what, and that was a request to save her people. Uh, uh, so in here, in chapter 7, we see what the real request that, that Esther had. And, and it says, so, king, so the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet. And on this second occasion, while they were drinking wine, the king again said to Esther, tell me what you want, Queen Esther. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. 
Queen Esther replied, if I found favor with the king and if it pleases the king to grant my request, I ask that my life and the lives of my people will be spared. For my people and I have been sold to those who would kill, slaughter, and annihilate us. If we had merely been sold as slaves, I could remain quiet, for that would be too trivial a matter to warrant disturbing the king. And ultimately, we know from this account that Esther is given everything that she requests. And you know, the journey of the faith, this journey of faith that we're on, uh, means we're part of God's plan. An integral component of being part of his plan involves us asking him. It might seem really simple, but we need to make requests to him because he is the one who has all the solutions and the perspective we need. So we walk in the spirit, obviously, and we ask in accordance to his will. We need to play our part, and that involves asking. It involves making our requests to God. And he actively encourages our involvement. That's the whole point of this relationship with the God of the whole universe. He encourages our participation. It's quite amazing, really. And it's a very, obviously, it's a biblical precedent about asking. We see many examples in the Bible. Uh, ask and you will receive, Matthew 7, 7. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. In Luke 18, we see this account of the persistent widow. It says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story so that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. There's lots of biblical precedent about keeping on asking, making our request to God. I love that account in Genesis where Abraham um, has been warned about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, you know, you, you go into this amazing dialogue where he's saying, well, God, if there's, you know, if there's, if there's 50 uh, you know, righteous people, will you save it? And it, and it comes all the way down to 10. And so it's this dialogue of Abraham asking God, making the request to God. And there's other, other examples in the Bible as well. You see, Esther, was, she was part of God's plans and, and made her request. And we are part of God's plans right now. And it involves us making our requests. We're not called to be passive start, uh, bystanders. And to be honest, let's be, let's be honest with you, I, I don't fully get how it all works when, when asking God when... Because he, he knows it all anyway, right? So you might, it's okay to think, well, why do we have to ask God if he's all supreme, he knows everything, and he, he can work it out? Why do we have to ask him? Well, I don't know the answer to that, but this is how he set it up. This is how he set it up. We are in a relationship with him, and, and he wants us to talk to him and ask him. So can I encourage us this morning? Let's be active in asking and making our requests to God. Yeah, be bold. Be bold. He always hears, and he always answers. Psalm 116, verses 1 to 2 says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Amen? So number one, it's our choice to be in. Number two, requests. We have our part to play. We do, in God's amazing plan. And number three, this is where we begin to come to... Uh, the amazing climax of, I guess, what God is doing and saying. Number three is this um, reversals. Nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is impossible for him. See, God is a God who can change any situation. 
I know we're looking at this account, which is from thousands of years ago, but God is still the same, and there's, there's no situation right here in the room today that God cannot change. And in this story of Esther, we, we see an incredible reversal of events. We go from one day where there is uh, the very real possibility of the Jewish people being completely wiped out, that's a very real possibility, to the next day where the plans of the enemy Haman are uncovered, they're dealt with swiftly, and the, the Jewish people are effectively saved and preserved. That's one day to the next. The speed and reversal of this very difficult situation, I, I say, could only have been orchestrated by God. Because he sees the whole picture. And his plans can never be undone. Uh, let, let me just say for a moment, it's worth just emphasizing a, a, a bigger picture here, just, just to help you on a bigger concept with, with a bit of the Jewish history. See, we, we, we see, we see a similar story being played out through history with the Jewish people. Uh, there's been, we all know from history, you can read the history books, there's been numerous attempts uh, through people, but I would say from the enemy, to wipe out the Jewish people with incredible suffering and tragedy. They've been expelled from many, many countries throughout the years, and th there's many, uh, many historical accounts of the Jewish people being targeted, uh, not least, obviously, the six million Jewish people that were murdered through uh, World War II. But out of that tragedy, uh, God was working. Ultimately, actually, out of what happened in World War II, uh, the nation of Israel became a nation again, literally, in 1948. Uh, and that was, that was spurred on by what happened in the war. So God brought about something incredible out of what happened there. Uh, and you say, why? why? Why is that important, James? Well, uh, because even, even though the Jewish people, they're no more important to God than anyone else, they are a chosen people with a specific purpose. They are. Uh, so God chose the Jewish people to show his glory uh, to the rest of the world. And that, that plan actually is still unfolding in, uh, in front of our eyes. Uh, and the big picture is this. It's not about Israel as such, but about God's plan for the world. Israel plays an integral part of God's plan for salvation for the world. And there, his chosen method to show glory to the world. Now, I won't go any, any further, but if you want to read a bit more about that, go through uh, Romans chapter 9 through to 11. That will explain a bit more about it. Uh, but they are his chosen people, and he has an integral plan for them. But now, back, back, back to Esther Let, and this, you know, where we're at. Let's just refresh ourselves again regarding how events unfolded with Esther and what the great reversal looked like, because it's an incredible account. So in, in Esther chapter 5, we see that Haman plans Mordecai's death. Uh, and we see, we see how Haman, uh, he carried a deep hatred for Mordecai and the Jewish people. And uh, in verses 9 to 14, it says this, Haman was a happy man as he left the banquet. He was happy after the first one. He wasn't going to be quite so happy later on. Uh, but when he saw Mordecai sitting at the palace gate, not standing up or trembling nervously before him, Haman became furious. However, he restrained himself and he went on home. Then Haman gathered together his friends and Zeresh's wife and boasted to them about his great wealth and his many children. He bragged about the honors the king had given him and how he had been promoted over all the nobles and officials. He was a very humble man, wasn't he? <laughs> then Haman added, and that's not all, Queen Esther invited only me and the king himself to the banquet she prepared for us. And she's invited me to dine with her and the king again tomorrow. Then he added, but this is all worth nothing as long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting there at the palace gate. So Haman's wife, Zeresh, and all his friends suggested, 
set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall in the morning and ask the king to impale Mordecai on it. When this is done, you can go on your uh, merry way to the banquet with the king. This pleased Haman, and he ordered the pole set up. Wow, what a, what a nice man, what a nice family they were. So we see here all Haman's evil plans set and ready to go. But for sure, he didn't see that God was working behind the scenes and what was coming next. The great reversal is right around the corner. So as we progress into chapter 6, we've seen that, that King Xerxes has trouble sleeping that night. And so it says this, So he ordered an attendant to bring the book of the history of his reign so it could be read to him. And in those records, he discovered an account of how Mordecai had exposed the plot of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the eunuchs who guarded the door to the king's private quarters. And as, as a direct result of the king being reminded of those historical events concerning Mordecai, the tide begins to turn right there. I mean, the arrogance and the self-deception and evil plans of Haman are crushed in a moment. Uh, but, but just listen for a moment. How This is how arrogant Haman was. It says, as it happened, Haman had just arrived in the outer court of the palace, so this is the next day, to impale Mordecai on the pole he had prepared. So the attendants replied to the king, Haman is out in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. So Haman came in and the king said, what should I do to honor a man who truly pleases me? And Haman thought to himself, whom would the king wish to honor more than me? He was so full of himself, so he, was so, he was so arrogant. But as the reversal comes to the climax, we see in chapter 7 that Mordecai is the one that is honored, and Haman is impaled. It's an, it's an incredible turnaround in events. And then the king asks Haman to honor Mordecai. Six, uh, chapter 6, verse 10, the reversal is both swift and dramatic. Verse 10, it says, Excellent, the king said to Haman, Quick, take the robes of my horse and do just as you have said for Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the gate of the palace. Leave out nothing you have suggested. I mean, Haman must have just been seething at that point. All his plots and all his evil plans were turned around in a moment. Literally the day before, the lives of Esther, Mordecai, and the whole Jewish population were under imminent threat. And the following day, the entire situation was reversed. Let's just say God stepped in. And we see yet again that nothing is impossible for God. And in all of us, let, let, let's not forget the incredible parallels from this account that we see in Jesus' life, because it, it's amazing. You see, Mordecai's death, it was planned. Uh, his instrument of death was constructed. And yet it was the evil that was put to death and Mordecai that was honored instead. You see the parallels. Jesus' death was plotted and planned by religious leaders. Death was to be through brutal crucifixion. You see, the enemy thought he had the upper hand and that he had accomplished his mission. But little did he know that Resurrection Sunday was right around the corner. The great reversal was coming. And now Jesus is alive, honored above everyone and everything. And the power of death is destroyed and sin has been overcome. An incredible reversal. See, God is the all-powerful God who has the ability to reverse any situation. So as we come near to our close this morning, what about us today? What is, what is God saying? Where are we going to land this? 
Well, we clearly see through the account in Esther how God works for the good of those who love him. And if you are here this morning and you are someone who loves God, follows after him, then God is working for your good in every situation. I realize you may not see it right now. You may not fully understand it, but God is working for your good because he loves you passionately. And we see from this account how we are to be part of God's amazing plan and how that involves, firstly, us asking him and being proactive. We've got to keep asking him. And then we see in a dramatic way how God is able to turn around any situation, the great reversal. Just as we come to a close today, maybe today, let me just invite you to just to maybe bow your heads and close your eyes, just, just so it's your, your personal space right now, just you and him doing some business together. Maybe today, I don't know, maybe today you, decide, you need to decide to dialogue with God again about some specific situations where you haven't seen the answer. Maybe you just can't see how that particular situation can change. And maybe that's led to disappointment. I understand that. And so you've stopped asking. That's often what disappointment can do. Well, God wants to encourage you that it's time to talk to him again about that situation. Tell him your disappointment because he he knows it, but it's good to express that disappointment to him because he loves and cares for you deeply. And bring him your requests again. You know, I'm not here saying, and I can't promise that everything's going to change immediately, but I can tell you that God loves you passionately, that he works for good in all situations, and he can in a moment, he can change any situation around. We have many things that we pray over our kids and situations, and without going into detail, uh, something we've been praying specifically for one of our kids this week happened, and it had been going on for some time, and suddenly in a day it changed. And sometimes in the middle of the situation when it's ongoing, it's hard to see how it will ever change. But I'm here to, God is here today. I just want to encourage you that he can change any situation. He's working for good in your situation. And God just reminded me while I was preparing this message, and this may well be for some specific people here today, how in the book of Genesis, we see this remarkable account of how Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers and went through incredibly testing time over many years. But behind the scenes, God was at work in an extraordinary way, not only to raise Joseph to a position of great influence and authority, but also to save the Israelite people from starvation and great adversity. And you get to the climax of the story, and in Genesis 50, we read what Joseph eventually says to his brothers, the very brothers that sold him into slavery. And Joseph says this to them. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And perhaps you today, perhaps you've been through a challenging situation, but God wants to remind you that despite what it looked like or what it might still look like, God is working in that situation, in your situation for good. And he is creating something incredible in and through it. He really is. That's not my promise, that's his promise to you today. God is still in the business of reversing situations. He did it for Esther, he did it for the Jewish people, he's done it for millions of people around the world and he can do it for us today. He is more than able. 
thanks James for that wonderful message. Next week we'll be concluding our series on Esther with chapters 8 to 10. Why not get stuck in reading them before next week comes out? Now it's time for our family news for... One, two, three, four! The One Church youth are going away this weekend on their weekend away. Let's be praying that they have a great time and encounter God. And coming up in June are the kids and young adults weekends away. If you want to know more about them, get in touch. We have Encounter Night on the 28th of May at 7pm at the One Centre. These have been powerful evenings where people have met with God. If you want to feel a touch of the Holy Spirit and come and be a part of what's been going on, come and join us. Schools Out is our half-time holiday club for all children primary school aged. This is coming up on the 30th of May to the 1st of June. Come and be involved, pray for us and bring any children you know along. And finally, it's not too late to join in with our prayer army and pray about what's going on in one church and in the wider world. If you want to join, get in touch or respond to the link that's been sent out on email. And that was your family news for... The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.